If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode... Oh, my God. We Say Things, episode 66, <laughs> sponsored, believe it or not, by ExpressVPN, which we will talk about a little bit later in the podcast. My name is Suns Fan. Joining me is Cinderin. Hello. Hello, hello. 66. Yes, we made it. We finally made it to 66. Uh, how many weeks is that? That's 66 weeks? How many years is that? That's 1.2 years. You did the math very quickly. Look at on you. One. Look at me. Look, look at you. Me. I thought you were going to be one that screwed this up for everybody. Honestly. Look at us. Yes, look at us say things. Uh, also, thank you to our amazing patrons, as always. Uh, I see some names updated on this list. I'll let you take the first half, Sindarin. Feel free. Oh, great. <laughs> These names are starting to get absurd. So we've got Real Life Papega. If Ben Broomhead were Xbox and Ben Jackson were PlayStation, then Ben Hamming would be PC. Wow. Bacon, He's... no, not that bacon, the other bacon. Lick, puco, parenthesis, I support the broomhead. <laughs> Tickles, Shark TM, Hoey988, Xbox Sex Enthusiast, Freshly Seasoned Goat Balls, Change Will Happen, Poop Feast 420, and Do You Like Tony Parker? Still a no on that one. Uh, ben Broomhead has a broomhead. Ben Jackson is superior. Dop, who finally got his artifact key. Congratulations, sir. And he still hasn't opened it after complaining for months. That's another story. Chosnek means garlic. Fane underscore man himself. The balls in Ben Jackson's court. What am I supposed to do? Change my name twice in a row? That's poor sportsmanship from Ben B. Pitch Black, Fellowship of the Ping. DG, Terry Tip, Wooden Aftertaste. Duntalk, The Coward dyslexic lawyer anonymous and ronnie keel thank you guys so much for being part of the in bruges tier for patreon which you can find at patreon.com slash dota oh i almost said dota cinema slash we say things guys that's the one yeah don't choose the other one yeah, i get way more from this one <laughs> i get <laughs> yes. nothing from the other one it's <laughs> literally nothing um first topic of discussion uh, again cinderin nba related i know i know this is everybody's favorite. We can actually just end the podcast after this. Uh, the Phoenix Suns finished the bubble with an 8-0 and record, Cinder. 8-0. and zero. The only undefeated team in the entire bubble. And we did not make the playoffs, Cinder. <laughs> and let me tell you how this went down because it was actually incredible. So in order, after going 8-0, the way that we would make the playoffs, okay, is one of two teams losing their last game, all right? So let's yeah. talk about the circumstances that came about for this, for us to not get in. So the first one is, and I know these team names mean nothing to you, but I'm going to try to educate you here. The Memphis okay. Grizzlies, 
okay, who are not good because most of their roster is just banged up and completely injured. They went up against, they had to lose. They went up against the literal best team in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks, who have the literal best player in the world who got MVP last year and will probably get it again this year. But what happened, do you think, Cinderin? Well, I'll tell you what happened. I know you're very excited to hear this. The best player, his name is Giannis. He's Greek. He's called the Greek Freak. Okay. Oh, it's fogged. Yes, except he's much larger and very, very talented at basketball. Which may, okay. maybe fogged is good. I don't know actually, but yeah. probably he's not. He's not good tall as though. That is true. Uh, so Giannis, the game before, he headbutted somebody on the other team and was suspended for this last game. So instead of playing the best team in the East, they played actual garbage and won their game. And then the second one, the Trailblazers, had to lose their last game, Cinderin. And mm-hmm. on paper, they should have. They're going against a lineup that's much worse than theirs. I set my alarm to wake up for the fourth quarter, okay? This is how yeah. disgusting this was. I woke up to watch the end of the game. I looked at the score. I'm like, whoa. The other team is up by like 10 points in the fourth quarter. This is crazy. So what ends up happening, uh, Blazers come back after some terrible, terrible ref calls as usual per the NBA, you know, normal normal shit. And the Blazers end up winning by one point (laughs) because the other team missed their last second shot. So if any of that changed, if Giannis wasn't suspended for fucking headbutting somebody randomly, he never does stuff like that. Or if the Blazers don't win by literally one point, the Suns would have made the playoffs. Uh, so thus, our season's over. I don't know if I'm a bad friend for laughing because <laughs> I, genu- I genuinely feel sad for you because you were so excited and this was almost a miracle run, but at the same time, it's poetic. Honestly, yeah, it is. it's like poetic the way it went wrong. I mean, I wasn't surprised. It, it feels like it, it feels scripted, you know, like when you tell the story <laughs> like that. It's almost like something out of a movie. The impossible comeback story, just that in the movie, when that impossible comeback story happens, the good guys genuinely win. But that would yeah. be an interesting plot for a movie, right? It's like a team that has to do the impossible. They do the impossible, and then the movie ends. It still wasn't enough. Have you seen I think that would be a really <laughs> That would be a really real movie. How would you know what make, would make a good movie? You don't watch anything, apparently. Good Lord. Get with the time, Cinderin. Anyway, to end the NBA section, uh, the Suns are out. And I, some good news. Devin Booker got onto the all-NBA or all-bubble team, as they call it, which is the best five players. And our coach was named Coach of the Bubble because we didn't lose. So good job to them. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you know. Do you know who Kendall Jenner is? Uh, don't know. Maybe by name. It, it's a sister of Kardashian. She's the Kardashian. Kendall Jenner. She's. I think she's the youngest. I want to say. Okay. She's the what one that has her? the least plastic surgery. I know that. Okay. Least. So she is going out with our star player, Devin Booker, Cinderin. He's. He's got game. Apparently. This is not the podcast I was imagining we would be. All right, I don't, and the final. I don't need any more TMZ. <laughs> I think we're fine Cinderin, here. I need to get you caught up on pop, co- pop culture, all right? I really don't thing, care. Like, Cinderin, really don't care. You need, you need to know this, okay? I'm educating I wonder you. if there's anything I care less about than that. <laughs> well, NBA nope, or No, or no about that relation, th- them dating. No, I couldn't I, come up with anything I care less about, actually. I, I think a lot of people find it at least interesting. Like, I don't care about the Kardashians myself. But anywho, the last topic before we get into the Dota stuff, which there's not much of, 
which is why I'm talking so much right now, Cinderin. I got Diamond and Valorant. Tell me congratulations. Yes. See, that's something I care more about. I don't care a lot How? about it still, but I do care more <laughs> about it. Cinderin, that's not Good job, nice. Shannon. Good job. Congratulations. It means a lot to me to get to Diamond. It's, it's equivalent to probably like a really low immortal in Dota or a very What's equivalent high divine. to in CSGO? Is that like uh, LEM? It's like a yeah, it's like an eagle, probably one of the eagles. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Good job to me. So X Pro job, CS sir. skills coming into play for Valorant, Cinder. I'm very happy with myself. Okay. Let's get started with the episode after patting myself on. I needed a pat on my back after the Suns thing. So that's why I put that in. Right. So there's been a couple threads about this, of course, on the old Reddits. Uh, TI would have been starting the, the main event today if it was on schedule, Cinder. And so a lot of sad people in the world. Uh, of course, we don't know when the tournament will be based on, I mean, do you want to make more guesses based on the fact that we have more information than last time, theoretically? Next year. Like early quarter one, you think? Pro- that's hard to say. I mean, either way, like I think... The thing that's changed, right? Nobody mm-hmm. thought that there would be like a cure by now. Oh, I shouldn't say nobody. Sane people, logical people didn't think it would be done by now. But if it's quarter one, let's say, I think they will have to implement some sort of a like an NBA type bubble system where people go, then they get tested, and then are quarantined essentially before they can, and then they're just stuck there for the most part. Mm. Do you think that that's feasible or is that way too much? But then there's no audience, right? I mean, okay, so that's another topic. Do you think there needs to be an audience? I don't think Valve would host TI without live audience. I'm pretty convinced about that. But what if I you think... set up the webcams just like the NBA has and you have all these like <laughs> racist Dota players <laughs> oh, that's writing straight. shit? You know? I, think, um, I think the way Valve sees this tournament is that it is such an integral part of it that there is this live audience that I don't think it's something they're willing to compromise. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. And the difference is, if we compare this to the NBA, there's a pretty big difference in who is the stakeholders here, right? In TI, Valve are a privately owned company that doesn't have any stock, so they don't answer to anyone except the fans. Uh, whereas the NBA has tons of multi-million billion investments uh, where the stakeholders want exposure, right? Uh, that's one of the strengths of not having sponsors for TI is that Valve can basically do whatever the fuck they want. Uh, And if that means we're going to delay it for half a year because we want a live crowd, they can do that and nobody's going to come after them except the fans. And then people will be like, but hey guys, don't you want TI to be amazing? And then the fans will largely be like, yeah, we do. So, you know, it's probably, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's what they would do. They will wait until it's feasible to have a live crowd. It might be possible that it would be a smaller venue if there are some limitations with uh, how many people you can have in one place at a time. Like, let's say Valve had the choice between hosting this in February with a 5,000 audience or in July with a 30,000 audience. They might go for the first option, possibly. Mm. But I think the the crowd spectacle is too important uh, for this tournament to not do it. Okay, how about this? That's my two cents. If there is a crowd, do you think there will be player-fan interaction? If it's a smaller crowd? Yeah, even if it's a smaller crowd. I think that it's a no, pretty much no I matter what. I think it's a no as well. I think it's it will be on the players to choose if they want to, but it will not be forced. That's my guess. Which means the last no. time we had player <laughs> fa- the last time we had player fan interaction uh was TI3, 
right? After we switched to Key Arena, uh, it got changed a lot. Like, that doesn't mean that players didn't interact with fans. They did. But it wasn't like the players and the fans were walking right. no, up and down each other to get to the games. The players would always take a back entrance. They would mm. be driven there. Um, so that was TI3, though I remember it was the last one that had that in... What's it called? In... Benaroya. Benaroya Hall. There it is. Yes. Man. That was that was a good great one. place. Yeah. I loved it. I mean, I haven't been to the last few TIs. Uh so I can't really compare all of them, which I guess you can, but yeah, Benaroya was really, really good. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of people are obviously sad about the no TI thing and I think maybe it's made a little bit worse with the fact that we'll get to this in a moment, but the battle pass stuff is still not out. Like a lot of stuff I that wonder, people are wanting. I wonder how big a fraction of people showed up and they were like, I put a note in my calendar that <laughs> TI would start now yeah. in August. Yeah. And then they show up because they get an alert and they're like, wait, what the hell? Where's TI? Oh, you mean they literally have no a, idea? How oh. big a percentage of people thought TI was happening this year? All right. Is it too ambitious? Is ambitious the right word? For it to be less than, I think it's less than one percent. I hope, hopefully, it's less than one percent. <laughs> God Almighty, that uh, if they can use a calendar, they should be able to function as a normal human being. Which leads me to believe that they should know there's a pandemic going on. Which leads me to believe that they should know TI was postponed. How many uh, people in the world do you think don't know there's a pandemic? It's probably, probably more than you would expect. No, maybe Aborigines. Like little tribes here and there that are just disconnected from the world as a whole. I, Have Amish got further than I think? So the Amish their use of actually, technology? they do. I read this the other day. They use technology occasionally, which okay. I'm like, isn't that the whole point of being Amish is not to use technology? I was so I was they're, surprised. Uh, so they're Mish. I, maybe it's based on. I mean, maybe not all of them are like that, but mm-hmm. one specific one I read about. Uh, so yeah. We'll see. We'll keep you guys. Hey, if you guys need to know updates to when TI, I get questions all the time. You know, when's mm. TI going to be? People seem to think that I have the know. So we might as well say that we're in the know. We know exactly when it's going to be. We just can't say yet. Okay. okay. Just remember. Yeah. <laughs> remember. Just that. tell me after the podcast. Okay. All right. No problem. Yeah, so, like to know too. as you guys know, Omega League is ongoing. The I didn't get to watch any of these games, Cinderin. I'm sure you did. It's just the group stage right now. Yeah, uh, EG is playing in the Immortal Division with the rest of the EU teams. Uh, they they are in EU, right? Is that I think verified? they are in the US. I don't think they flew oh. in. Oh. I do think they're playing on EU ping. Because I remember Arteezy streaming and saying on his stream that he needs to practice on EU ping. So he was playing a lot of EU West games. Wow. So I think they're in the US. I could be wrong. Like, don't... I'm not 100%. But If that's okay. true... Okay, I don't know everybody's location. So... From EG, okay, this is all old information, so I don't know what's even accurate anymore. If they're in the EG boot camp area, which maybe they're not, that's West mm. Coast for sure. Uh, but if they're home, which is probably more likely, where's Arteezy? Somewhere in Canada? Is it East? I don't know where he is exactly. Uh, was he I'm Vancouver? Not, he was Vancouver. I'm not sure, but like the, they have pretty good ping on four of their players, right? Crit is Danish. Mm. Uh, Ramses is Russian. 
Fly is in Israel, I would assume. He could also be in Canada. Like it, it could be either or, right? I suppose. Like I don't actually know. Uh, or he could even be in a third place. Like we're just guessing here. And then they have the stand-in for Abed, who is GPK, who is also Russian. I think he's Russian or Ukrainian. Um, so so it's just Arteezy. You know, so theory. it's kind of just Arteezy and maybe Fly that have bad ping. The other players should have completely normal competitive EU ping. So it's like it's definitely a disadvantage, <laughs> but it's not like what you would think when you hear OEG oh, are playing Europe. Then you think, oh, they're at their boot camp facility and everybody's lagging. Right. Um, I actually have a question for you before you get onto the tournament itself. Uh, maybe a side note, just because I've been watching right. more. Chad Ballon is saying flies in the U.S. So, if okay, so yeah, somebody's saying New so Jersey, so that's pretty, east. So that's not terrible. That's pretty good. That's like a hundred ping max, probably. Yeah. Um, do you think that ping is more hmm, more of a detriment if you have high ping in FPS games or? in a game like dota the reason i bring that up because i think most people would automatically say fps but the thing that you don't realize yeah. maybe is games have built in things to combat that yeah peaker's advantage like uh, i forget the actual term something with ping where if you see it on your screen act i'm not going to pretend that what i'm talking about actually i'm not okay. going to go any further that's but good i know that there is something built into a lot of fps games that combat high ping to make it so that in some instances you actually have the advantage usually not obviously but would yeah. you say that you think Dota, like how prevalent is the ping issue? Oh, the ping never favors the lagger in Dota, right? Yes, um, correct. That's so, why I'm bringing it up. I mean... Oh, Goodness! Onion, are you okay? Onion! <laughs> there is someone outside, I guess. Um, so in in Dota, if you have... If you have high ping, I think the biggest problem is if the ping is not stable, right? You can have high ping and it's really annoying. Uh, but the problem is if your ping is, let's say it's 200, right? Uh, but it alternates. It So sometimes your actions are a little bit faster. Sometimes they're a little bit slower. It's very easy to start second guessing yourself when you're targeting spells, when you're trying to last hit and everything. Hmm. Uh, it's a huge disadvantage to have 200 ping in general. Uh, but I think a really big part of it is your, the confidence that you lose. Where when you're playing a normal ping, you don't even really think about the fact that there is a delay, right? You just cast your spells and you know they're going to land. And let's say you're playing Lena on 200 ping, all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, is this stun good enough? And then you start animation canceling stuns that would hit. Or start second guessing yourself with your combo usage, something that's just muscle memory, where you know it takes this long and now it just doesn't. Uh, in mm. CS or shooters in general, if you compare it, I think you more or less play the same way you would regardless. Like if you have 200 ping in CS, do you adapt your strategy? You still play the same way as if you had zero ping, right? Your shots just aren't hitting, right? Yeah, but you're playing, you're playing the same way effectively, right? Mm. Like you can't really compensate for lag in a shooter, uh, can you? I mean, in ways you it's can. It's the you server can, side. Well, you wouldn't peak in a certain situation if you know that you don't have the ping advantage, right? Okay. Like so you, you can go for the drive. You can, yeah. So it's it's kind of similar, I guess, in that sense, then that you adjust your gameplay to an to a suboptimal way where you're not playing the way you usually would because you have lag. Now, from a Dota uh, hero perspective like if I you go from hero worse. to hero, would you say playing specific heroes is easier with higher ping? Like it wouldn't have that yes. big of an impact? It really matters what, what hero you're is playing. it like skill shot heroes only, or is it like here's an example, right? 
Mm-hmm. I know that Pango is kind of a skill shot hero, but yeah, he he has zero turn rate essentially, a one turn rate, the lowest in the game. Versus yeah. a hero like Lesh, let's say, where timing really matters with yep. not only you're turning your hero, but spell usage. Is it like way worse because of that? I think I think so. I think the worst heroes to play on Mega High Ping are multi-unit heroes like Meepo, where you need to uh, yeah, that one's real bad. control multiple units at the same time and they really need to synergize, and heroes that have uh, spell combos like Invoker, right? I think Invoker on High Ping has to be miserable. Because uh, you will, you have again. It's this gut feeling you have of when do I cast my spells to make them land, and you're just not going to land those combos on lag because you're not going to feel confident. Uh, I guess other heroes to note is like something like Pudge, where you just have like a feel for when the hook hits, and then it just doesn't. <laughs> um, and having higher ping means you have to you have to leave more to chance, right? Because you need to predict earlier how they're going to move than if you're playing in quote-unquote real-time, right? So definitely every skill shot hero, it's a disadvantage. The heroes that suffer the least are the ones that just have targeted click single-target spells that where the timing is not as important, so like Wraith King or... Uh, I was about to say Viper, but I think on Viper it actually sucks too because you want to orb walk, right? Um, so you're, so that's you're, what you're saying bad. is that Arteezy should be fine playing... Spencer, so. Sven, whoever. It's <laughs> <laughs> these single target. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what his ping is. I don't think it's even that bad to Europe, yeah. to be honest. I think okay. something like mid hundreds, if any, if even, might be like lower hundreds, and that's very playable. All right. So tell me, um, tell me about catch me up to this tournament. I mean, there hasn't been that much, right? There's been three play days, and every play day has three series. Uh, so the teams that have played the absolute most have played two series, and that is OG have a 2-0 record in their group. I'll just say who's on, on top right now and we can move on because this is so early. It's very inconclusive. Uh, OG and Secret are lossless in series. And then we have EG and Nigma in the other group who are also currently lossless. So those are the top teams as of right now, but there's very many more games to be played. Mm-hmm. Um, Secret lost a game. I guess that deserves mention. That doesn't happen too often. <laughs> They lost a game to Liquid in their best of three, but they still won the series. Um, so they did bleed a little bit. So this but tournament is going on for a long-ass time. Uh, yeah, it ends on September 6th, I believe. That is, yeah, that's basically three weeks. So from when it, I mean, when it started, started, it's been, it's going to be a month, basically. So pretty crazy. Okay, moving on. Uh Everybody's favorite time to talk about cosmetics during this podcast. Again, for whatever reason, Cinderin, Valve has not released anything <laughs> lately to the Battle Pass it- itself. This doesn't count. But we will talk about it anyway. This is the Collector's Cash 2, which we had no idea that was even going in. The line was getting close on the prize pool, so they, they pushed that button, released yep. a bunch of sets... What are your thoughts on... We're not going to go through each set because I know it triggers people for whatever reason. Right. Just overall quality. Yes. Overall, like any... Does any specific hero or two stand out to you? And then we can give ratings for the chest as a whole. I like Skyrath's set. Um, I guess, like, that's the only one where I'm like, I really like this, I think. Mm. Uh, At least of the common sets. I think the very rare Legion Commander is pretty cool, or the ultra rare Legion Commander, rather, is also really cool. Uh, and the very rare Void also looks nice. Um, 
but I do personally feel like this is a the weaker of the two caches. Uh, I was less interested in this one. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's all it's also a bit up to chance, like right, what heroes it is. Is it heroes you enjoy? So uh, what's your rating out of five? Horse don't heads? understand why Caudal is riding a camel and is the king of thieves or something. That one is a little bit far fetched for me. Uh, but ooh, harsh words, Cinderan. Yeah. Um, it's as harsh as it gets. Overall rating one to ten, where ten is no, an amazing five. Cash. I thought we were doing horse heads. Yeah, just divide it by two. It's a three, I guess. So it's fine. Average. Average. Okay. Yeah. So from my perspective, I like this one a lot. Uh, I'm gonna give it four out of five. I, I think the camel is incredible. I love the camel. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, I like. I like how they are completely breaking color scheme now. If you guys haven't seen the Timber Saw set, it is totally, utterly, completely a different color than any of his other sets. I love it, but again, color scheme has gone out the window. People have really, some people, I should say, have really hated on the Tidehunter Cthulhu face. I love it. He looks totally different. Mm. He has a fat belly. They've made him even more obese, and you know me. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Shadow Definitely Demon has to the American audience there. That's right. It's gonna Sh- get I mean, great sales. <laughs> we're all stuck at home. It's a role-playing game. A lot of people have gained weight during the pandemic, Sinner. We need to yeah, relate. Yeah, so maybe if 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 this were a role-playing game, like, or if you are role-playing when you're playing Tide, then mm-hmm. the slimmer you are, the better. So maybe it does better in other markets. Very. Yeah, you should work on the marketing yes. team for Valve for mm, sure. Yeah, Ice Frog, if you're listening, if they, you can I'm reach sure they Sinner don't have one anytime. <laughs> He can be your sole member marketing team. Uh, and then you can hire me, Cinderin. Uh The Shadow Demon, I think, is literally the best set in the entire game for Shadow Demon. I don't play the hero, but it's God tier. The Demon Head is so yeah, good. Yeah, I I, to be fair, I should have mentioned ST as well. I agree. That's it's It looks good. The, the Sniper Pirate type set, I really like the weapon a lot. It's a cannonball. Mm-hmm. So the one thing I'll say about this, I actually, I mean, the LC Ultra Rare is cool. I don't know how good it looks with other cosmetics. I think the rares were very poor in comparison to a lot of the rares that we've seen to the point where I didn't even care if I got them, which, of course, I didn't mm. anyway. So, overall, very good chess, though. So, will this week be the time in which Valve comes out with the Pudge or the Windrunner or the Announcer pack, Cinderin? Yes. Okay. We said that last week. I am legitimately surprised i'm legitimately surprised they didn't uh come out with that stuff okay next thing on the list so last hero this is really interesting last you know, hero, i want to mention the arcanas quickly oh i'm sorry i completely okay back to cosmetics guys <laughs> let's get it Cinderin over with it has to sitting. get into the cosmetics so we're now <laughs> into the semifinals uh for the arcana vote so do any of these surprise you? So Spectre beats Morphling. I think we both predicted yeah. that. Sven beat Luna. Did we predict that? I don't know if we did. I predicted that Luna... I think we both predicted Luna would win. But I wanted Sven to win. I was very pleasantly okay. surprised. Of course, he's going to get crushed by Spectre, so it doesn't matter. Invoker destroyed a PL. No surprise. 
good. And then this one was a surprise. Witch Doctor yeah. barely beat Drow Ranger Cinderin. Yeah, Witch Doctor beat Drow. Didn't expect that either. So now, out of our final eight, we have six cores and two supports. And the supports are Lion and Witch Doctor, who are going up against Void and Invoker. I think we're going to end up having only cores left in the top four. That's right. So I think Void will beat Lion. Sniper will beat Antimage. Spectre will beat Sven. And Invoker will beat Witch Doctor. That's yeah, and I don't think any of these votes will be close. Maybe Sniper Probably AM not. a little bit yeah, more than the others, but... <clears throat> well, then again, now that it's all kind of narrowed down, maybe all the support players will vote for their support. They only have two to pick from. Yeah, that's the problem. They should have had one. Mm, that's, that's how Ogre could do it. That is true. Now you're splitting the vote. And if they both lose, you have nobody to vote for anymore. Then you need to get creative with who your support pick is. Is your support pick Invoker or Sniper? <clears throat> sniper. I like it. That's sniper true. Sniper 4. It's All a right. thing. Fair enough. Oh. Anyway. Just remember, guys, when you're voting for your support, just don't vote for Lion. That's the easy way to remember this. Just go for Witch Doctor if you're going to pick one of the two. Uh, maybe they'll put the Capri Sun and Gun in. I, I mean, there's 0%, but you can just pretend that that's true. And don't waste your vote on Lion. Thanks, guys. That's a little PSA. Okay, and then down to the last Dota news for the day. This week, I should say. Last hero from the team Bait was arrested, apparently, according to Valat, during peaceful protests against police brutality and rigged elections in Belarus. Uh, I believe yeah. I read a tweet later that he was eventually released. Yes. I assume unharmed. Home. Yeah, I believe so. I, from what I heard, it's he is fine and he is back to normal. Right. Um, it's it's always really. First of all, we're glad that he's obviously uh, good. He's doing well yeah. and all that stuff. And we hope that the stuff in Belarus is not going to get any worse. We hope it gets a lot better. But it's it's so crazy to like it puts things in perspective when real life stuff clashes with you know Dota related stuff. You know what I mean? It's always, I don't know what the right word is, humbling? Maybe not. It just puts things in perspective of what's actually important. Um, yep. But the Belarus situation sounds real bad. At least it did last week. I haven't heard updates since then. Um, yeah, it's not something we hear about too much. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, yeah, we've had a lot of uh, that type of stuff going on this last year. I mean, it's, to be fair, I think throughout the world, Every year, there's a couple things that pop up in the global news, at least. Uh, like Hong Kong was the big one. It's still going. I mean, that one's ridiculous. That's still going to this day. Um, and obviously, America has a bunch. That's It's not any specific country, but hopefully it gets better over time, friends. Uh, anyway, back to... I know we kind of brushed over this, but you guys may have noticed that we have a logo underneath, for the video at least, that says ExpressVPN, Cinderin, who is the sponsor for this episode and a couple more in the future. Uh, if you guys don't know much about them, they are, of course, a VPN service. VPNs, if you don't know, allow you to access the internet as if you're from another country, which can be extremely handy in certain situations. Uh, for example, if something is blocked in your area, uh, I mean, for as an example, in China, if you're like I've done this many times when I went to China, when things are blocked, I just pop in ExpressVPN to be able to, you know, get on Twitter or watch a movie or something like on Netflix. I mean, that's the cool thing. Like Netflix, they have 
regional blocks based on like a specific show or movie. But if you just use ExpressVPN, you can bypass all of that. Um, and like I said, it's not just with China. Even in the U.S., where things are generally unlocked, even Suns games, Cinderin, get blacked out occasionally, then I have to use ExpressVPN to be able to, to bypass it. Um, but from my experience, it's by far the most fast and stable VPN service, which is available via your phone, PC, tablet, and smart TV. And of course, they have sponsored us, Cinderin. But I think it goes without saying, we don't really... You might have noticed we haven't been sponsored <laughs> very much since we started the <laughs> podcast. And it's not because of lack of offers. I'm not just saying that. We're extremely... There's been a few people we've passed passed over because we just don't believe in the product. And uh, this one, obviously, exception to the rule. So uh, if you guys are interested in trying VPN or ExpressVPN for free, go to the special link, which is going to be in the description for the video and in the audio as well. ExpressVPN.com slash we say things where you can get an extra three months for free. So yeah, hmm, thank nice. you to them. Very good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's been uh, it's been a similar experience for me uh, when I've been when I've been abroad and needed a VPN. I've used ExpressVPN as well, and it's very I'd say it's very it's very easy and fast to use. Like it's super easy to set up and very intuitive. Uh, so it's it's definitely one of the easiest ones out there. So. I wholeheartedly agree. Wow. With what you I, just said. Is that part of our sponsor contract that you need nope. to do a terrible British accent? I think was you just British? lost us our sponsor, Cinderin. I don't know, I don't I don't know what yeah. that was. Well, then we're just back to normal, right? Everything's fine. Nobody will notice. Thank you, ExpressVPN. We appreciate it. Next thing on the list Cinderman Shroud has returned to streaming. A couple weeks yep. ago, of course, it was Dr. Disrespect. So let's dissect these numbers a bit. Uh, apparently, he signed a Twitch-exclusive deal. No big surprise, of course. Although I will say, I highly doubt it's as much as not only Mixer, but even his exclusive deal from before, because there's no real true alternative to Twitch, I feel like. like if you go to Facebook, you are going to lose a shit ton of viewers, at least mm -hmm. up front. Um, so... It's my opinion that the deal is probably not astronomical. But then again, he already got his payout with Mixer, so it doesn't really matter. So why mm. don't you talk to us about these numbers, Cinderin? Yeah. So we have a, a screenshot of his his numbers for his return stream on August 12th. Three million unique viewers in one stream. Hmm. Uh, peak viewers was half a million. Average hmm. viewers, 223,000. And he gained 250,000 followers in one stream and 16,500 subs. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good, I would say. That's nice. I, I don't remember what his old sub peak was. I do think it was six digit. Um, so probably a lot of old fans showing up and want to subscribe again. Uh, but like, mm -hmm. no matter how you look at this, these numbers are just absolutely ridiculous. Like it's completely crazy yeah so um, for those that don't know how the again i don't know everybody's twitch deal but i think this is generic or general knowledge that i think if you're just regular twitch person that has sub emotes you or has a sub icon or whatever somebody subs to you you get half essentially yeah but if you're 
higher up, which shroud is as top as it gets, you get a higher percentage than that, which yeah. we will never know. It could be 100%, honestly. So 16,500 subs is yeah. quite a... I mean, again, he is mega rich, so this is probably just chump change to him at this point, but extremely impressive uh, display for his return. Um, and there was, and I, I watched a little bit of the stream and something that I yeah, loved about it was that he was saying a lot of people were like speculating what would be the grand return like what would he do for spectacle of coming back to Twitch and he was like <laughs> guys I'm going to do what I always do I'm going to show up I'm going to play games that was literally what he said I fucking loved that but it was just but, like you know yeah because that's I think Shroud easily it's not even close has the biggest stream that is I don't want to, I don't necessarily say, I, I guess it's the primary carrying element is skill, right? Mm. Like that is, it's not that he's not entertaining. It's not that it's not interactive or interest, interesting or that he doesn't play with interesting people. But a lot of the really big streams on Twitch are a lot about entertainment value. Uh, something like, for example, Dr. Disrespect, who's not on Twitch right now, but was definitely less about raw skill. Uh, mm. But Shroud is just incredible, especially at shooters. Um, so... He's the biggest stream on Twitch that's skill carried. And it just makes sense, right? That he's like, I'm going to show up and play games because that's what I do and that's what you guys like to watch. Uh, whereas Dr. Disrespect's return was super spectacular with <laughs> Like he was really the playing The discrepancy with, between both of them yeah. is hilarious. The yeah, fact that they're both FPS different. gamers yeah. makes the comparison even more amazing, right? Because yeah. like you said, Shroud, I mean, you watch his stream and honestly, if you take away the skill that he has in the games, it's nothing special at all, which I'm not saying that as a negative. Uh, it's actually a breath of fresh air for me. Uh, but obviously, he's just really fucking good at the games. And he just built this following like none other. And then Dr. Disrespect, it's all about the showmanship. Not that he's not good. He's yeah. also really good. Just he's also good at games. Definitely not, not as good as Shroud, but yeah. uh, close. He's maybe 80%. I don't know. Maybe that's not even true. But mm. the cool thing about Dr. Disrespect, not to change subjects, is he used to work for oh, what was it was it unreal i can't remember what game it was but did you know he used to be a game dev back in the day no i, I think no he idea. did what was it battlefield i can't remember what game but he used to build levels so that's why he has like this crazy production value with this stream he makes all these assets to create like, oh, he these makes different worlds. yeah dude he is i'm saying oh. like take away all the random stuff that we don't know about why he got banned but it is so incredibly uh so incredibly impressive from you know just the standpoint of the fact that the production is out of this world and he basically doesn't mm -hmm. i mean maybe he has something somebody helping him as well but i know that he's capable of doing that mm -hmm. so very very cool um chad next. is saying he developed call of duty by the way. oh yeah yeah call of duty Sorry, that's right he of talks duty. a lot of shit about call of duty which <laughs> oh makes sense then i mean he makes more money than uh actually that's not true the game probably made more money than him but he's very rich uh halo infinite has been delayed, Cinderin. Are you a Halo player? <laughs> no, but I'm happy when games get delayed, as you know. Oh. So here's the. So. This is why I wanted to talk about this. So this but Halo Infinite. Actually, yes. Okay, this is a different delay, right? Because it's Halo Infinite that gets delayed to 2021, but the Xbox Series X. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, it's not the game release. It's just the console is still releasing. But this was supposed to be the flagship title. Yes. Was it? Okay. So that's so why the flagship title about. for the console is delayed. Yeah. But the console comes out on time. Okay, never mind. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the all the details here. So yeah, like right. you said, the flagship game, when you think of Xbox coming out just in general, there's almost, I feel like 
maybe not every time, but almost always a Halo game that comes with it, mm-hmm. which is the killer app, as they say. It's the reason you buy the console. So this has been delayed. And the reason, of course, they're not delaying the Xbox to match it is because they have a bunch of other games, of course. But more importantly, the PlayStation is going to come out around that time as well. And you can't... If you come out a few months later, you will get destroyed. But of course, they're going to get destroyed anyway, Cinderin. But the thing that I discovered recently is that I can't remember what how many games they're going to be coming out with on initial release. It's like 16 or 17. I think all but one will apparently be available on the PC as well. So oh. obviously, Microsoft owns Windows and Xbox, but the fact that they're doing it like this is so... It's very good from a consumer standpoint. Like, I can play Fable and not have to buy this god-awful console, which is great. But do you think that... I mean, the sales will be hurt dramatically from this. Will they not? I I feel like they were going to lose anyway to PlayStation, but now they will be Uh, beyond crushed. No, so... Do you mean Microsoft's total revenue here or the sales of the console? Sales of console. Yeah. I mean... Because that's how people compare them, right? That's always how they compare. There's definitely people that will specifically buy the console for the flagship title or for specific games. I have literally no data on this. I don't think they are the majority. I think most people that buy the console buy it because there's a new console and there's going to be new games on it and it's cool uh, not because I really want to play Fable and I can only play it on this console. Like if you think of the Nintendo oh. Switch, for example, the Nintendo Switch had uh, Zelda as their flagship title, which is an incredible game in its own right. It's absolutely amazing. Do you think more people bought the Switch for Zelda or for the Switch? I think most people buy it for the Switch, right? And then it's cool that there's a great game on it. If it, if it is that way with though? Zelda... Like, was Zelda really the killer app? I mean, I know it was... Considered one of them. It was when it got released, like no doubt. It was easily the top seller uh, or the top sales point uh, from a game perspective. I think it's more like people buy into the technology, right? It's kind of the same when you think about VR, where like, did you buy your VR setup for one specific game or did you buy it because of the promise of what can come on it later? Yeah, definitely the latter and definitely disappointed and regret my purchasing decision big time. Right. But you've uh, already bought it. But so then that's again, how the like, Xbox I, Series X works. Right. So PlayStation, like this is just my experience. Uh-huh. We literally only bought PlayStation because of God of War. That's the okay. only reason. Like I don't use I'm it not, I'm else. not saying it's stupid or that it never happens no, no, no. or whatever. It's yeah. strictly just like a majority perspective. Because if you're thinking about profits, right? It's, it's what's, so the reason I'm getting at this is that if you take titles that were supposed to be exclusive to this platform and now you port them to PC as well, Will the amount of PC players that end up buying this game that would not have bought the console, will that outweigh the people that specifically would only buy the console to get that game? You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. I still yeah. think that it's so impacted In total greatly, profits, though. I think this is a good move. I think in total profits, it's a good move. But in number of Xbox Series X, you're going to sell less of yes. this console. But I think the company as a whole will earn more money than it is a matter of what the production costs are of making mm-hmm. the game for multiple platforms because it obviously doesn't cost the same it's not like you're just like oh well let's just port it two minutes just copy the files over you know i'm trying i'm wondering why they never did this to begin with because from like i said consumer standpoint this is a beyond home run this is amazing that if you want like i don't know how the rest of the xbox games are gonna go about themselves but the fact that all but one of the games that's being launched for the xbox is available on pc is huge but at the same time i think it will dramatically 
decrease sales. Uh, but then again, like Microsoft will have, because like I said, they were going to lose anyway, the console wars, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, so now they have an excuse. They just say, hey, this many people are playing this game. Mm -hmm. We just don't distinguish which is PC and which is Xbox. I think that's really smart, actually. Um, what do you just think? What do you think in general about the idea of removing console exclusivity, including well, PC? Like just in general, you are you are you're a developer making yeah. a game. Yeah. If it's profitable to have it on multiple platforms, is there any reason not to do it? Yes. You get paid a shit ball sack tons of money to not to make it exclusive. That's why you do it. Yeah, but then it's not profitable. How is it not profitable? I'm saying if it's more profitable to make it cross-platform, why would you not do it? Who's to say it's more profitable, though? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Keep, that's okay, the question. Look, right? look at it from this perspective. If you're a game developer, and let's say you're yeah. an unknown, because this happens all mm -hmm. the time. You're an unknown game developer. You're, you're grassroots. Yeah. Microsoft or Sony or whoever it is, big boy company comes in and says, hey, I will fund you. This is how your contract, you are, it's not like this is a one-time thing. Generally, it's going to be five to 10 years or maybe even lifetime. I don't know how these contracts work, but you're right. stuck in that for a long time. Do you think like from God of War's perspective, do you think now they might be regretting their decision not to make it cross-platform? Like, I don't know the details of that at all, but obviously. I mean, it's possible that they are not allowed to release that, it on exactly. PlayStation unless it's exclusive. That's so, what I mean. Yeah, it's it's speculation. But if you if you imagine you're given the, especially for, I guess Microsoft is a special case because they own two of the platforms, right? So it's just like it's different from the average game developer that's who's the, developing. That is the beauty of it, though, right? That's the, I think it's a really cool idea because they kill two birds with one stone. They're going to lose the console wars anyway. They get the numbers. Who gives a shit yeah. about how many people buy the Xbox Sex? It's it's literally a PC anyway. It's literally a fucking gigantic PC. So mm -hmm. yeah. it, they're just making it more accessible to people that feel like they need a quote unquote console. Um, yeah. But either way, and good then, for gamers. Then it's just the the bottom line of will you sell enough games, enough copies on the PC to outweigh the people that would have shelled out for a yeah an xbox to play said game so to my understanding for the old xboxes and the old playstations i don't know if this is still the case to this day uh especially early on for the xbox they would literally lose money on every console purchase did you know that they literally lost money and they would make it up via the games and like xbox live hmm. uh, i don't know if that's changed for the more you know recent generation but if that's still the case then nothing changes here right if anything it's more profitable in some cases I mean, if the if they make this choice, it's obviously like it's not random, right? They're yeah. not doing this out of goodwill. So it's either they have the data or the expected outcome that this is a better move for profit, mm. or they wouldn't do it. So they think this will outsell uh, the number of people that would buy it for exclusivity. Yep. So let's go, Fable. And it's good news. Can't wait. It's good news for PC gamers. Right? Yep, they're the big winners here. They don't have to buy that console. That's right. That is exactly good for you. Right. Thank God for that. Uh, next topic: Fall Guys, which I don't think we talked about at all yet. We haven't uh, talked has about been it at all. No, like a huge sensation. Have you played it yet? No, I've watched a little bit. Um, I should probably start playing it soon. It yeah, it's like a fun. really good stream game. Well, I would recommend. So, for people that don't know, it's essentially it's like a battle royale like little fun version battle royale where you're 
in a bunch of different mini games with 60 people. Yeah. I would not recommend of, playing with viewers, Cinderin. They will fuck so, you. So okay? it's like user party or it's like Mario party, but just, yeah, it's party games, right? It's yeah. those party games where it's about surviving a track with obstacles or getting through the fastest or doing most this or that. And you're playing free for all in every level, I believe. Everything's just free for all. Yep. I think. Um, and then it's you about can, placing high enough well, you so you can, don't get knocked out. You can party up with, I think, up to four people, but it, you're still playing against each other in theory. Right. Still free for all. So something about this game, this is not really the point of why we brought this on, but uh, I find it I find it very refreshing. And I, I don't remember whose tweet I saw this was from, but I was like, yep, that's very true. I think it might have been Shroud, actually, who tweeted this. Let me just find it. I'm almost certain it was Shroud. Um no, it was Summit, right? It was Summit 1G. So I'm just going to find it. Yeah, here it is. So this is from two days ago. A game that's so simple being so successful should be a newsflash to gaming devs everywhere, in my opinion, at Fall Guys game. Hmm. This is something like, I think we've talked about this on the podcast many, many, many weeks ago about what makes games good. Uh, and for me, I will always prioritize gameplay over graphics. And I feel like a lot of times, especially in the last like decade or two, because graphics have got so far, I think the graphics take too much focus in games uh, compared to the gameplay. The thing that makes games engaging and fun and make you want to come back is that the interaction with the game is fun. The novelty of beauty kind of wears off in games, I, th I feel. like It's like it can give you that wow factor that makes you buy the game but it's not what's going to make you keep playing the game for years. It's not whether the graphics are amazing. It's whether it's fun to play, right? And that's where games like Fall Guys are really interesting because the graphics are extremely minimalist. They're not particularly interesting. It's just, is it fun to play or is it fun to watch? Yeah. Um, I'll echo this with my own experience with WoW Classic, right? You know, I love talking about this. <laughs> Here but we go again. It's a pretty old game. And the graphics are not great by any means. Like, there's so many MMOs that have way better graphics than the game. But are they as well designed? Are they as fun to play? Is the community as interesting to interact with because of the systems that are designed in the game? And I really hope that with the games that we see finding success that don't go all in on graphics, that game devs are going to focus more on just the enjoyment of playing the game. Some really highlight games for me in the last couple of years. Celeste, I found amazing very very it, it's Celeste. pixel art graphics basically mm -hmm. the whole way through it. but the game is insanely good mm -hmm. um there is a game like super meat boy also where it's like platformers right it's platformers the graphics aren't a carrying element uh it's about the experience of playing the game um i would argue someone a lot of these games stardew valley stardew valley right very right. minimalist graphics massively successful game minecraft I would argue um, some of these games would actually be worse with better graphics, right? That's part that of the is, charm. That's possible, yeah. It's always hard to say, right? Because you imagine, don't really uh, get to see it. But, I mean, Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> imagine Minecraft with like crisis type graphics. Yeah, I mean, that would be cool, actually. Uh, I guess also maybe in a way. I mean, it's it's more polished, but it's still you know the the type of graphics that we have in Animal Crossing as well. It's like again, it's not. It matters more in that game because it is largely a cosmetics game, right? About designing your world or whatever. But it's not like super high poly. It's just, it's cute, right? Um, and everything doesn't have to be photorealist 
4K quality assets everywhere. Uh, it's still a video game. It's not about people don't play video games to relive reality, right? They play it to do something else. So are you basically okay. calling out every Battlefield series in there? That's what it feels like to me right now. I haven't really played any of the new ones, to be honest. But I will They're tell terrible. you, terrible. I am almost certain, without having played any of them, that I would prefer Battlefield 1942 over all of the later ones. I'm almost I, certain. I liked BF2 the most personally. Okay, I haven't. I don't remember. It's so BF2 many years was ago. And I think a it was great game. game. But, but the later great. ones that I've watched, when I've seen a little bit of Battlefield being played or whatever, it's like, but is this a better game? You know. Is it is it better? Um, I mean, that's the funny thing when you think of Battlefield. Just, boomer, just you know? as as an example, I like I, old games. They but... like Battlefield nineteen forty two was a huge success. I think BF two was a huge success as well. And then they come out like a year later with twenty one forty two. Does anybody even remember that fucking game? I don't remember any Battlefields yeah. after that point. Like they're all garbage. Uh, anyway, back to the <laughs> the point. Yeah. The okay. Discussion. So let's get to the point. Actually, what we wanted to talk about here. So Fall Guys has been like this big sensation. Uh, there's been talks of esports casting maybe in the future, which I would find hilarious, uh, just because it's so out of the. I mean, I don't think anything should be forced to be an esport, but for something like this, mm-hmm. it, it's obviously in you know, and doing it in a fun way can definitely be enjoyable to watch. But Fall Guys themselves have tweeted. Recently, Battle of the Brands. The thirst from brands has been unreal, so we're turning it into something positive. Your prize is your brand inside Fall Guys as a costume. So to enter, you basically reply to their tweet with the amount, the highest amount of money you would be willing to donate to that company. And after two weeks, the highest bidder will win. This is such a cool So when you say that company... The, yes, you will be donating to Special Effect, which is a charity for oh, gamers with physical oh, disabilities. Okay. It's not to Fall Guys themselves. They're not doing All this right. for profit. I, I thought that that was their company name. Okay, my bad. No. Yeah, so That's you're donating to great. Yeah, it's a it's a UK charity. It's based. What's the American version of this? Um, I don't know. Oh, I don't remember what the American uh... one's called, but it's called Special Effect. Anyway, okay, it's for it gamers with physical disabilities. That they're all right. That's on. that's amazing. Then that's even that's yeah. way better than I thought. So basically, companies and the fact I don't know. So my my one thing about this is it's an amazing in- initiative that they mm. tried to turn it into something positive to you know put a branded thing inside the game. It's harmless. The game is just you know it's a fun game, um, and that will be loads of money raised for special effect. But do you think the fact that it needs to be posted publicly is good? Like the bidding is public, right? It says you need to reply to mm. this tweet with the highest amount of money you would be willing to donate. What's is the that negative? a way of like keeping? Is it the way of keeping the companies accountable or accountable in what way? Like if they so okay, so let's say you did a bid, right? You said you can whoever bids the highest gets their thing in the game, but it's a private auction. Like everybody can send a PM or a DM mm. to Fall Guys with how much they want to do, mm-hmm. like this the companies need to publicly state how much they are willing to donate, which is, you know, it keeps them accountable in the public eye because everybody can see how much they've promised. Right. But at the same time, maybe companies are less comfortable with writing this publicly and they would rather bid privately and it might in the end end up getting more money for the charity. Let me put it this way, okay? If they did it the way that you're saying, this would Mm -hmm. be a meh at most marketing ploy. The way that it is currently, that it's all public, is genius. Like it just creates more uh, 
more storyline. Like the fact that this is all out in the public is amazing. People love this shit. You know, everybody's eating yeah, this up. It's I genius. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. It's not the perspective I'm taking here. The perspective I'm taking here is: Do you think? Do you think there would be more money for the charity if it was in private? Because some companies that would want to donate a lot of money might not want to publicly announce it on this wall, but privately would want to pay for a skin. Does does that make sense? So you're saying that companies don't want credit to give to no charity. it's more <clears throat> i don't know how to say this i'm maybe they i'm assuming they can edit i guess they can just keep posting right well they can but obviously keep upping like, up their i suppose right like they can just keep upping it yeah uh, i don't know maybe my take on this is just weird um but like i'm just imagining like companies that are like oh yeah this could be cool but we don't want to start too low because then we look cheap and we don't want to go like super ultra high over everybody else because then that's just like pointless or you know what I mean? Well, look at it this way. From a company standpoint, giving to charity, it's a write off anyway. Like typically they'll give X amount to charity every year anyway, right? So it could just that's be fair. Yeah. a certain amount that's allocated anyway. Um, yeah. But I think from public perspective, this is incredible. I fucking love it such a cool idea they have a bunch of skins in the game already the game uh is not free to play right yeah i definitely bought it for 20 bucks or something so that's a low amount for the game a lot mm -hmm. of replay value and a lot of potential cool cosmetics coming out via companies uh i believe so this is the hilarious thing nikki was telling me this the other day i was shocked I, at first i thought they were breaking some copyright stuff but apparently they've come to an agreement with valve to put in valve stuff did you know that which I'm guessing is in, part of their Steam into deal. Fall or guys. Yeah, th there's Gordon huh. Freeman right now, and I had no idea. I think they're doing a TF2 character or something like that. So that's really cool. I think mean, that's pretty awesome. So really looking forward to see what Fall Guys does because it's not something we typically talk about this type of a game, but because uh, it's not <laughs> actually an esport. But it can be, I guess. Anything could be. I'm, an so, I'm sorry. I just saw one of the replies to the tweet. Uh, and I think because of that, I, I don't know if they posted the rules right away or if they had to add them afterwards because of the responses they got. But it says rules. After two weeks, the highest bidder, <clears throat> sorry, the highest bidder will win. We will DM to confirm any boring legal paperwork, blah, 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 blah. If we decide that your brand is offensive slash unsuitable, we will yeet your pledge out and pick the next highest. So I'm just scrolling through to see, okay, who has donated or has offered to donate? And there was one offering to donate $110,000, which was Nutaku Games, which is apparently an adult gaming platform. And the character <laughs> that they made is hilarious. Oh, man. Uh, so they just responded, you are yeeted, not safe for work. <laughs> Unlucky. 110000 Yeah, they, they bid wow. 110k. Uh, the second highest bid that I saw so far was Trainwrecks, actually, a streamer. Bidding twenty five thousand for a gorilla skin. Oh, how nice! Um, but I would imagine. Do you want to put some money in, Cinderin? I don't know if we can beat the twenty five k, but uh, we, we could get talk a horse to ExpressVPN about getting one in there. That's true. They could definitely help us out in that regard. You know, imagine a horse head with ExpressVPN tattooed on the forehead. <laughs> Free advertising. I mean, it's just it. It's great for everybody. Okay. I don't last... know who's ahead by now. By the way, it was just the one that I saw. Well, I it's think what we'll do is I, I'm genuinely interested in this. So if we hear news about it, I'm just going to bring it up next week. Uh, right. 
So stay tuned, yep. guys, if you don't want to check. We want to know who wins. Week. That's funny. Last topic of discussion is a very interesting one. Um, Apple, I actually wrote Apples and Google <laughs> versus Epic. So let me take you through kind of the TLDR of this situation. Okay. <clears throat> Epic has Fortnite on mobile, which I didn't even know about until this happened. Uh, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. And they tried putting in a new payment option. It was like wrapped, I think, I forget the exact way that they did it, but it was look, like from a consumer standpoint, it just looked like a discount, right? But mm-hmm. in essence, what it did was give them purchases from consumers directly to them, which like if it was in Fortnite itself would be fine. But because it was right. on these mobile platforms, like for Apple and Google specifically, there's rules that state you can't do that because Apple and Google take a whopping 30% cut, which is ginormous. Um, of everything sold in the game yes, store that on is, phones. That is insane. Can you imagine okay. how much money is? Oh, just disgusting. So Epic apparently is now suing both of them. They came out with a 1984-esque parody. I don't know. It's not really a parody. Video with... <laughs> you guys just have to go Google that one. It is, it's a sight to behold. But essentially putting down Apple. They don't really mention Google or anything. But with the hashtag of free Fortnite. So they're making it seem like you know they're being restricted. Even though... Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then the last point before we discuss the actual topic. The following couple days, they... Epic tweeted this out that Apple has apparently removed Fortnite from the App Store and has informed Epic that on Friday, August 28th, Apple will terminate all our developer accounts and cut Epic off from iOS and Mac development tools. We are asking the court to stop this retaliation. Details here. So the reason that this is important, and I'm going to come at this from slight ignorance as well. I might be wrong on a couple of details, but to my understanding... What this means is any future games that are not out, in addition to updates to existing games on the platform that use the Unreal Engine, which is what Epic owns, will not be a thing anymore on iOS. Again, so I might be slightly off on Unreal this. on mobile. Right. So updates will be fucked, and new games that are being put on will not be possible. So... This is a huge deal. I don't know how many games actually use uh, the Unreal Engine okay. for that. So without getting too much into the legal <laughs> stuff, yes. does Epic even have a case here? I don't know. So, like, so if the contract, if the way it works with the store, if the store has terms of use, which say anything you put in the store that people pay for, we take right. a 30% cut and you have that in the store, and it's an exclusivity contract that you have signed, you can't just randomly make a new payment option outside of that on mobile, have people pay there, and then be like, Apple is taking our money, we sue them, because you are the ones avoiding the contract, right? So I'm I'm not sure I'm following. What are they suing for? Are they suing them for unfair terms? I think it's something along the lines of being a monopolistic... uh, I see. Something okay. to do with monopolies. But so let me just distinguish a couple things here to, so we can start mm-hmm. discussing. So the reason they're not going as ham on Google, to my understanding, is because unlike Apple, where 
like let's say I have my Android phone. I can technically play Fortnite on it, even if it's not through the Google right. Play Store. So you, there's ways yeah. around it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas for iOS, there you literally have to get everything approved via the Apple Store. So, right. so from my perspective, I think all three companies are pretty shitty. Uh, like the, what they're trying to do. Epic's just trying to make more money. They're making it seem like they're trying to do the, the right thing by the consumer, whatever the case may be. They're just trying to make more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, they are battling something that people have been complaining about, especially devs for mobile games where Apple and Google are just taking too much. And it is true. Apple is kind of a monopoly in a lot of ways. But on the other side, Apple is technically in the right, I think, unless something I don't know about comes about. Um, it sucks the way that they're doing it. Maybe this will change the laws somehow. I don't know. But I think Epic is trying to use their popularity, <clears throat> especially among the, the younger crowd with the Fortnite and all that to try to sway Apple into allowing them to do something like that. But obviously, Apple has come back with a vengeance. So either a law gets changed, or I believe Epic probably just loses their lawsuit. What are, the, what are the technical limitations in the U.S. to what is considered a monopoly? Do you know anything about this? I do like, not. I remember that Microsoft like, went through something in the 90s, and uh-huh. that's about it. Because you could make the argument that Apple has a monopoly of stuff on iOS, but it's like saying that Microsoft has a monopoly on stuff in Windows, right? It's like that's Which their. They did. Okay, maybe that was that's a bad. Maybe it was a bad comparison, but it's like if you are the one that are developing, you're developing this phone that has this operating system, and you own this IP, right? So everything that is on that operating system is yours. People have alternatives. They don't have to have an Apple phone. So it's not technically a monopoly unless the titles are only available in the Apple store, mm. right? Because you could have had, you could have got it with another phone on another platform. Know what I mean? Yes. So that, that's what I, I'm trying a lot to of get gray at. Area. Is, is, it a mon- is it a monopoly when there is an alternative that can do the same thing. Because like within their product, it's a monopoly, right? If you do have an Apple phone, everything you're buying goes to Apple inside that, right? But mm-hmm. it's not like you either have an Apple phone or no phone. That's what I mean. Like there are alternatives, right? To yeah. you, what, what I mean, other the, companies you can have a phone from. So right. I mean, the, the whole idea so behind a monopoly is there's only one choice, but there's yes. Android. So that's the second choice. So yeah. again, I, I have not brushed up on my history because I just remember this off the top of my head with Microsoft going through this. I think one of the big points was that Windows came with Internet Explorer and they kind of forced like the, you know, the people that don't know how to download stuff or like very basic, which is majority of people at that time, to use Internet Explorer right. over something like Chrome or at the time I believe Firefox was a big one. Uh, so a lot of laws changed as a result of that. But I don't know what else on top of that occurred. Uh, I don't know what Epic's case is, but at the same time, I hope that they win (laughs) because I think the iOS store is a real... The iOS store sounds miserable based on what I've heard just in general. In the end, lowering, lowering the, like, let's call it monopoly, limiting monopoly or weakening it, the ones benefiting will always be the devs and the customers here, right? 
because there's more yeah. competition. So that should drive down prices. I mean, that's that's kind of what so. Epic is banking on, is that the public yeah. will absolutely shit on Apple, which, you know, to a degree is happening, I think. Uh, well, in reality, Epic is kind of doing the same thing, just turning yeah. the tables, right? But yeah. it's different from the younger kids' perspectives for sure. And even mine. Like, I, I think Apple has always been based on just god-awfulness. Like, back to the Steve Jobs days, I feel like they were extremely sketchy in everything they did. I always hated the way that they did business. Uh, not to say they don't make good products. I mean, just as an example, like, I don't know anything about Apple phones, but the thing I keep hearing is that they use a specific, a specific god-awful type of charging connector yeah, so you can't is, use uh, you can't use anything else. It has to be the proprietary version, and it breaks all the time. It's very cheaply made to make you rebuy it over and over. Just shit like that. It's just ugh, disgusting. Uh, but yeah, that is the. I mean, this is one I think we'll probably update as time goes on. Although I'm not sure how much news we'll hear, considering no. a lot of it will be lawsuit related, which takes years. So we'll see. But yeah, do, okay. Actually, you know what? Now that you just mentioned that phone charger thing. Uh, I find it really, I find it interesting because it's something that a lot of people complain about when they have an Apple phone, right? Is that if you go somewhere and you need to get your phone charged, if you have an Android phone, you can ask anybody who has any sort of phone except an Apple phone if they if you can borrow their charger, right? If it's right, okay, there's like different types of chargers based on how much power your phone needs or whatever, but um, it's like a universal thing almost, except with Apple products. Mm -hmm. Does that fall under your like monopoly idea as well? That they're kind of isolating their customers to if you buy an Apple phone, you have to exclusively buy all of our side products too with your device. Do you feel like it should be illegal actually for them to do that? Do you feel like there's some items that, yeah, should there be some items that are just considered universally applicable? It's like saying... What if a brand of TV, right? Let's say you buy a TV and the power cable from your TV to the socket, they make one that's customized just for their TV only. And you mm -hmm. can't use a regular, what's it called? DVI to so power source or whatever cable. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about that? Because like with computers, for example, right? It's correct me if I'm wrong here. The power cable is a power cable. I can take my power cable and use it in your computer or in any computer, basically. It's like... There's like a stable. I don't know if it's legally required that it is that way. Um, but, you know, for a lot of other electronic devices, it's just streamlined. You have a power socket outtake that goes into that, and then it goes into your device. Uh, so, and to my knowledge, there's not many other companies doing this than Apple, right? Where they the have most part, yeah. this exclusive thing. Well, especially Do you feel like it should scale. be illegal? Ooh, whether it should be illegal or not, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, from my perspective, just for, I the just... for the sake of convenience and everything, right? It's like, it's clearly something they're doing just for profit, unless yes. they are going to argue that their charging system is better. Well, they are going to argue. And can't that. be That's applicable. The problem, right. But it's not true. If so, it can't be applicable again, with anything I, else. I'm always going to err on the side of hating Apple when it comes to this stuff. So, of course, I'm going to say, like, <laughs> make it illegal. But I, I think. Like from my perspective, what's the best way to put this? I feel like something like that is enough for me to not buy the product in general. And I feel like that should be the case for more people, but apparently it's not. That is not enough mm. of a reason for people to not buy that product anymore. They still hate that aspect of it, but they need that shiny new iPhone. It's apparently amazing. I can't use any right. other operating system other than iOS. I don't know, man. Whether it should be illegal or not, mm, that's a, what. Do you think it should? 
No, I was just curious about what you think. Like, if that's, I mean, in say, general, if that's, I... if that's fair, if it's fair to say that that is so inconvenient that it just shouldn't be allowed. Like, you make an electronic sure. device like that in this category, it should use the same kind of connectors as other devices in this category. Mm. Like, could you technically, like maybe I'm wrong here, but could you technically make a computer, like, let's say you're a, a computer, uh, like, you, you, whatever, like, could you just make computer parts that connect with totally different stuff like these Apple products do? Is, is there no limitation there? It's just everybody just does it for convenience, uses the same I, connectors. I don't know. I, so this is what I'll say. I think I don't know. having a law that says restricting you from innovating, I think is bad, right? And sure. technically, a law I, like that I, would absolutely. be restricting. But having said that, they're not innovating. They're fucking their customers. So yeah, it should be illegal. There should be like there needs to be a gray area that you have to define, right? It's all about common mm -hmm. sense. And that's the problem with a lot of laws, not just in the U.S. but across nations. There's not a lot of common sense laws where you look at something like, yeah, this should be illegal, but it's not, or vice versa. I, I so. can't confirm this, but we just got a message in chat from Hex Medusa saying in EU, Apple was forced to deliver an adapter for USB-C. No. So by EU law, probably something was required in terms of compatibility, but it was an adapter, right? It wasn't. Or is that just the. So it's like an adapter where Apple then has to. Converts it or something. Yeah. But not yeah. that the phone. Yeah. Don't know. Enough I about mean, that. It, I, was it makes just, sense. I was curious about what EU, you thought. I think EU in general has very common sense laws from what I've heard, at least, or what I've seen, experienced. And US, it's all about capitalism. It literally mm. does not matter if it fucks your customer because from their eyes, from our eyes, if, since money. I am American, it, it's about if it's, con if it's not convenient enough, people will just stop buying your product, which is technically true. They just like the other stuff that they like about the iPhone outweighs the shitty nature of their adapters or whatever chargers All right. okay let's finish up with a couple patreon questions the first is from ben broomhead where if ben broomhead were xbox and ben jackson were playstation then ben hamming would be a pc that's the name uh hello suns fan and cinder and as a big fan of both the podcast as well as your personalities in the dota 2 scene i'm curious to hear which of the TIs has stood out to you as your favorite in terms of both success comparatively to each other and your personal experiences? Also, if you could discuss what would make TI-10 more successful besides the prize pool than its predecessors in your opinion. So a two-parter. Yeah. I mean, for me, TI-3 <clears throat> was the best yeah. TI by far. By far. It's still... It's kind <clears throat> of hard to explain why. I think it's... I guess something that happens to things like this over time is that um, I guess the jump from TI2 to TI3 was just really massive, right? We got the compendium. Did we have a compendium in TI2? I don't think we did, right? TI2 was also 1.6 mil. I think TI3 was the first one that did a compendium. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So TI3 was the first one that did a compendium. Uh, there was something unique and special about Benaroya Hall, where we also were at TI2, to be fair. Um, mm -hmm. But Benaroya Hall being a symphony orchestra hall in Seattle um, had a totally different ambiance than the big arenas do. And the trade-off is the atmosphere in there is incredible, but it's also for a lot less, a lot fewer people, right? It was mm -hmm. like 2.5K crowd or something. Uh, but just the whole buildup of that tournament, the way things happened with the groups, having this like giant in alliance that didn't lose a single game in groups, went 16-0. 
then seeing who could make them bleed. The finals was incredible, which is very memorable. Five game series. Although it's easy to have rose tinted goggles because honestly, four of those finals games were stomps, right? It was only it's the fifth because and final game. I barely that remember that. Close. I barely. I, I, I mean, the global. Wisp won five games in a row. Four of the games <clears throat> were just 20 right. minutes or 25 or something, like really quick games. The things that I remember from um, TI3 specifically, like gameplay wise, are the hooks. Right, the global hooks yeah. that was TI three, right? Unless I'm crazy, mm-hmm. and of course the game five of the finals, which was crazy. Yeah, and best I also ending just, by far. I think it might also just be something about the timing, right? Where we've had so many TIs since that have had incredible games and incredible moments, but I think it's hard to deny that there probably is some sort of diminishing returns, right? Like the the earlier stages will always have something special, right? Whether like whatever it's about. Uh, and TI1 was special in its own way because of, you know, the huge prize pool being crazy. But in terms of like the setup, the production value of everything, it was just so inferior that it can't compete with the later mm. ones. But in terms of relative improvement of the product for the audience, I don't know how much farther we have come from TI3 to TI9. Uh, I think for the ones at home, we came a lot further. There's a lot more production value in terms of like interviews and in terms of content being made and interaction camera shots all this stuff they've definitely upped the production value a lot i'm not saying they haven't but for the audience live since we were there uh ti3 was still spectacular uh loved the arena uh, for, for a lot of fans and for players i think it was also very special because of how close it was with it was, fans and was players like so i think good. for a lot of fans that will be the most unique LAN experience they will ever have because they were actually, you know, in range of the players. Mm. Uh, when the players were in the lounge, when they were getting food, all this kind of stuff, when they were walking between arena and relax area, they were walking through the crowd, basically. Um, which I completely understand why you wouldn't want that. I'm not saying it's just full out a good thing, but it was something that made TI3 very special um, for a lot of fans, I think. Uh, yep. So yeah, that one stands out. Outside of that, well, on top um, of that, the the fact that it was the first Western team to win TI in front of a live audience was a huge deal because yeah. we are the Western audience for the most part. Um, anything else on top of that? Uh, what else was spectacular? Uh, I think when I think about quality of games overall, I think TI six was really special as well with wings. Uh, I think that's very yeah. memorable. Yeah, real, um, real memorable. Yep. And you, I mean, you guys getting second place is incredible too. Uh, so that TI was magical in its own way as well with like two teams that people didn't think would be anything special going to really? the finals, right? Like what? going in, I don't think anybody seeded. Were the favorite at the beginning of the think tournament? So. I, 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 think they beca- I think they became the favorite after the groups. Mm. They weren't even top seed after the groups, I think. They didn't have the best record in groups. I don't remember going into that tournament. I was playing that tournament. I don't remember going into it and being like, Wings is going to win this, or Wings is top three. I don't remember it that way, at least. But it could just be our team being ignorant toward uh, toward Wings at the time. I don't know. Um, Again, my memory has failed me many a time, so this could be one of them. I was under the impression... I feel like I remember them being the clear favorite at the beginning, like before the tournament started. They were number one favorites. Okay. I... It's entirely possible that I'm wrong about what the public perception and we was were about that. Slated to go last. Yeah, you were definitely not <laughs> favored to go to the finals. Nobody yeah. thought you guys would do well. So that was a I knew really cool story. I always so that knew. was a really special story. Uh, I think the whole experience of TI6 was also really cool because of that. And then outside of that, I guess 
I mean, there's so many moments, right? Like OG's run from open qualifiers to winning TI8 is super memorable. Uh, I personally really liked uh, Liquid at TI7. I thought that was mm. also really cool. Um, yeah, we've had uh, we've had a lot of moments. But if I had to, if I just had to on the spot say what was my favorite moment at TI, it was the TI3 Grand Finals Game Five. That's the most hyped I remember being uh, about Dota from outside playing. Yep. I can't so, I can't add anything to that. I think TI3 is clearly the best for me. Uh just much more confined, much more personal for both players, fans, personalities, whoever. Uh it was yeah. I liked it a lot. Uh the second part of the question, we can be a little shorter with mm -hmm. this one. Uh mm -hmm. what would make TI10 more successful than its predecessors? This one's kind of hard. I I was going it's back hard, and yeah. forth with this one because like from production standpoint, I think they have it down pat for the most part. Um, I think having a new location is a you know a new wrinkle that will provide a lot more uh, excitement for certain people as well. Yeah, this one might be a little biased. <laughs> I so let me I'm gonna give you my perspective and not a mm -hmm. fan perspective because it's totally okay. different. Okay, right. I think from a personality perspective, I feel like everybody that has put work in towards that TI should be invited to TI. Not as necessarily talent, but to be there at least. I think mm -hmm. it's the very least you can do for all the content creators that put in work throughout the year or throughout the last 10 years even. And it's not really much of an expense. I, I know it is an expense, but considering how much money Valve is making, I don't think it's anything. <clears throat> so I think that would make it more special for... So like I, a nod to the... Kind of like what they do with beta testers, right? There's a lot of beta testers that get flown out yeah. to TI every yeah, year. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then from the fan perspective, it's actually really difficult. Uh, just because I, I think that the panels need to be more fun. I think they need to loosen up. Yep. Uh, they maybe did a not good require... job of that last year, though, didn't they? It was better. Yeah, it's been it's gotten better. I mean, it was just really the one. Was it TI eight that was just horrifically bad, like embarrassingly bad? If you mean the one that was really with a strict and tight panel, that was TI five, I think. That was the one where James was host and hated that no, it no, had no, to no. be so tight. Day nine was host, whatever one I'm talking about. Was that TI seven or eight? Seven or eight. Yeah. Maybe it was yeah. seven. But either way, like I think, I think day nine so I really feel bad for day nine because I think he would be a really good host for TI, for yeah, example. For sure. I think they just set them up for horrible, horrible failure because they put people on the panel with them that just don't mesh. Plain and simple. Yeah. Like I, they just went way too dry. Just really, really that bad is mix. Kind of what's likely to happen is that, you know, the host is the one who's going to look the most comparatively worse to his potential if, because he's leading the conversation, right? And if you're trying to make jokes or trying to make entertainment and it's with people <clears> that, either don't mesh together or don't have too much on-camera experience or have clashing person or don't have clashing personalities rather but it's a bit little bit like flat uh, it can be very hard to spice things up and make it fun so it kind of it ended up being very script like which is very unlike day nine right like the way the way that hosting ended up running down was very yeah it was just flat and this guy is very creative and very fun uh, but I just think his hands were a bit tied, and unfortunately, he was dealt kind of a bad hand, and will maybe never host Dota again because of that. Uh, yep. But I, for most fans that don't really know the guy, they will probably just think, "Ah, oh, this guy wasn't that good of a host. I'm so glad we have other people." I can but actually bring up a perfect. Product. I'm not going to give names on this one, but it's like <clears throat> pairing me up as a caster with somebody that doesn't laugh at my terrible jokes. 
uh, <laughs> which there's a couple pro players that I've cast with that have just it. It's like literally one of the worst casts I've ever had. But for obviously you and me, we we know each other well. But even if we don't know each other, we're like BSJ that we've cast mm-hmm. really well because we mesh well. Uh, Kezu, another example. Like it's just sometimes people just don't mix, you know? Yeah. So you have to find the right chemistry, which can be difficult at times, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Second. And I think oh. as a final note on that, sorry, as a final note is that a lot of the times when people talk about panels and panelists, this is something that the community has discussed at large. Is like, uh, why is Pyrion Flex on the panel at TI? You know, the guy is three or four K MMR. Get some more pros on there who really know what they're talking about. The production is supposed to be entertaining. It's about keeping viewers engaged and giving them a good and fun experience. It is so much better to have someone on who has a little bit of a different take or is a little bit goofy or has a different perspective or talks about other more other interesting stuff than having everyone be the same. And that was kind of what happened to that TI with Day 9. It was literally, wasn't it like Day 9 and three or four pros looking at drafts and mm-hmm. talking about that? And that was what a lot of people wanted. But then you get to see the contrast to when you have a goofy guy on, like Slacks or like someone like Pyrrhon. I'm not saying Pyrrhon is a goof, but he likes to, you know, crack a joke and have a little bit of a different perspective and and make it more casual friendly. Uh, mm-hmm. It just makes for a way better experience for the majority of viewers. And I think that's something people on Reddit, for example, sometimes forget is their vocal minority. And there's a lot of really hardcore fans on there that just want every 9K, 10K MMR player in the world to dissect drafts. But the v- vast majority of viewers don't even care about the picks, you know? <laughs> They just want to have fun and see people kill each other in a video game. They don't oh, care especially why. Especially considering the people watching TI, the a lot of them will be people so, that have not played that much throughout the year, right? Yeah. So it's so much more Horrible. about getting the casual players on board and making them feel like, hey, this game is fun or hey, this event is fun to watch. And draft can be really dry. So it's like this balance that Valve has been trying to strike in the last couple of years where they do give a draft panel that caters to the hardcore fans. But at the same time, it can't be the carrying element in the production to have the draft, right? Because it's just not... It's not important and interesting enough to enough people. We need to remember that we are the hardcore players here that care more about that than the average person. So, uh, so yeah, that's why it's great to have that diversity and not the flatness. Okay, let's move on. All right, on. last question, question. Uh, from Ted or Tede. Ted, it's Tede. with an E. Ted with an E. Tede. Tede. Uh, question for the pod. Is there something you currently really want to do hobby or work-wise that you think you would enjoy but never find the time for? I know Cinderwind feels that way about in Bruges, but he can give another answer if he wants. So anything come to mind for you? Uh, I think I you've think been I no lifing. Love... I need to just say that you need been, you've been no lifing the shit out of World of Warcraft. Why am I getting called out? You've been no lifing it. Okay? You've been playing so much Valorant. I, I've so asked much... you to play with me, and you don't. Yeah, but I don't have time. <laughs> Because you're playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> uh, okay. Unless something goes horribly wrong, I will need to spend so much less time on that come August 24th. So much less. Unbelievably wow. less time. Because then I hit rank 14. Wow. That is why it's taking so much time. Wow. It's getting to Grand Marshal, Shannon. You wouldn't understand because you don't play these like good games, you know? <laughs> you wouldn't get it. I play Dota. It's not a good game. Uh, You don't play Dota either. (laughs) Eh, A little bit. Not anymore. You play. uh, All right. So what's your answer? So my answer is, um, I think if I were to spend a lot of time on something, I would love to learn an instrument. I think 
I think I would really enjoy playing the piano. Actually, Pian- so yeah, that's, piano is something top I have. My list too. Yeah, it's something I've thought about, uh, but it is a huge time commitment. And like, if I just play it a little bit, I don't think I would enjoy it. So it's something I would really want to spend a lot mm-hmm. of time on. And it's not. I just haven't assigned that. But that's what I would do. I think. I think my answer would be eating more. Um, but it's probably not good. Is for that my possible? Health. It is. Believe me. So, so when you say eating more, do you mean volume or better quality? <laughs> volume. <laughs> I can eat garbage. That's fine. I mean, uh, I, I'm with you. If I could eat whatever I wanted, I would eat more too. That would be my sure. number one wish probably is food. eat whatever the fuck I want. Uh, I think I would like to read more probably. So I actually have this issue. And I know my mom has the same issue. So I guess it's genetic to a degree. And I wonder if how common it is. When I read... I fall asleep pretty fast afterwards. Uh, so I've actually gotten to the point where I literally read every night in bed and I'll fall mm-hmm. asleep within like 15, 20 minutes. Or if it's really exciting book, I might stay awake. This is why I was a right. terrible student, by the way. If I tried to study with the textbook, holy fucking shit, that was within two minutes I'd fall asleep. Um, but yeah, I but enjoy... But is it the uh, book or is it the absence of the monitor that makes you tired? The absence of the monitor. Oh, well, I use a Kindle, so technically there's a monitor. Oh, so you are still on an electronic device. Okay. I mean, it's not like it's super bright or anything, but no, it's, uh, no, I don't think it's screen related. Okay. But yeah, I enjoy reading. Fan- Do you like to read, Cinder? We've never talked about this, have we? I haven't read a book in years. Wow. But do you enjoy book. reading? I haven't. I mean, I guess I don't, right? Because if I did, I would be reading more. I had, spend in the past like, when you were a normal human being and wasn't weren't no life yeah, in the I, d- I definitely building. used I used to read quite uh, many books, okay. but it's many years ago. It's back from like the last time I read a book for fun. I want to say it's more than ten years ago, actually. Wow. Okay. I, I have read drop, stuff. So I'm so gonna I drop like, some shit for okay, you. So here, so here's the thing, right? I I read a lot. I just don't read books you know what i mean like i love reading news yeah, or reading stuff on reddit reading or reading skills all sorts in of world stuff. of warcraft yeah absolutely love warcraft. reading those um so it's not like the act of reading that i don't like and i'm not like a slow or bad reader or something that's not the point but it's like if i have time for fun i just play video games over it that's it that doesn't mean i dislike books or dislike reading i'm just doing other stuff more i guess uh, or watching enough. a movie or something like that. Yeah, but... you don't do that either, though. You literally do nothing but play World of Warcraft. Just admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. For the last 10 years, that's all I've done. <laughs> Dota and World of Warcraft. Yes. Uh... So anyway, I wanted to get do a quick uh, recap of my reading, and then we'll end the episode. Because I know that okay. there's a lot of people that want to get into reading that don't know what to get into. And I was one of those people. I've been getting all my advice from Brax, actually. He is... Very good taste. Very good taste, my friend. Okay. Uh, so I like fantasy books. So, for mm-hmm. example, I was never a big reader, but then I read Harry Potter yeah. like in high school or maybe it was even college. And it was fucking amazing. I actually, I love the writing. I started reading them after the fifth movie came out. So I'd already seen five movies. But oh, wow. Okay. The, the books are just so much better. And that's pretty much true for all book to media tra- or all book to movie transition. So going from Harry Potter, I couldn't really find anything <clears throat> that I liked. But now I found a few series, Cinder, that I highly, highly recommend for people that like fantasy books. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So the first one, unfortunately, there's no third book yet. It's supposed to be a trilogy. There's only two. I don't know what the fuck this guy's up to. It's been like 10 years. It's called Name of the Wind. God tier writing. It's my favorite writing probably of any book I've ever read. Uh, some people might not like the main character, especially women, I've, we've found. Nikki hates the main character, so she doesn't like the book. But Name of the Wind is extremely good. Second one I would recommend. It, have you heard of a, a guy named Brandon Sanderson, Cinderin? No. This guy is insane. But I have heard of Sand. Good. Um, thank you. So uh, if he's the son of that, then I can at least relate on some level. Sand or son. That's true. So he's actually crazy. He comes out, he writes so much. I don't know how this guy even fucking functions. He's a BYU professor, pro- professor at, in Utah, basically for you, Cinder, since you don't know what BYU is. And he writes like know. books all, he has so many different series. It's insane. His most famous is Mistborn, which I found kind of okay. I've heard of that. But I think his by far his best series, it's a truly epic fantasy. It's called Stormlight Archives. There's I've also three, heard of that. There's three books out, and there's going to be ten. They're each like a thousand pages. It is very good. So I highly recommend that for people as well. Do you uh, think he's going to finish that? Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. Yes. He is. Re- so he's already written the fourth. It's coming out this year. He's written the fourth and fifth, actually. And okay. they're just coming out with them year wow. after year. Dude, I'm telling you, this guy shits books out. I don't know how it's possible. He's like 10 different series. He's incredible. So yeah, those are my suggestions for everybody uh, that are looking to find something to read. Especially you, Cinderin, since you apparently really need to find something to read that's not World of Warcraft related. Uh, but speaking of that, have you seen In Bruges? No. Great. Thank it's, you, everybody. Okay, here's the, here's the deal. Listen. Oh. You find a way of making an add-on in World of Warcraft that plays In Bruges, and I will watch it in the game. How about that? Then that, I can watch it while I play That doesn't count as watching it, then. You can't oh. just have that shit back in the background. You need to dedicate yourself. It's an hour and a half of your life. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. But think of all the entertainment I have got from not watching it so far. I mean, I've got more point. than an hour and a half of worth out of not watching that movie by now. I wonder how much... If we could put together all the time that we've discussed in Bruges throughout the podcast, just combine that time. How long do you think... Do we think that would be an actual full episode? Maybe we should do like yeah. the highlights. Probably. Just a full episode of me asking. That sounds like know. a really boring <laughs> highlights episode. I'm just talking about a movie Guys, I haven't watched. Would you watch that? We need to know here on We Say Things. Anyway, thanks for watching, guys. Until next week, Suns fan and Cinder and signing out. Have a terrific week. Maybe Valve will release something this week for the Battle Pass. Stay Bye. tuned. We say things that don't mean anything. But thanks for listening. Yeah.